Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everyone. It is Wednesday night, and it is time for Friends in Fiction. But it is not just any Wednesday night. No, ma'am. It, it is the night that we celebrate our beloved Christy Woodson Harvey's The Summer of Songbirds. So let's get rolling because we have so much to celebrate tonight. I am Patty Callahan Henry. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Mary Kay Andrews. And I'm Meg Walker. And this is Friends in Fiction. Four New York Times bestselling authors, and tonight one badass managing director, Meg Walker, <laughs> endless to support independent bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, we have an incredible show in store for you. I remember the day that Christy told us about the idea for this book. And here we are now. Finally, the day is here, and we will be celebrating this amazing book. We have a night like we've never had before coming up. Now, since the beginning over three years ago, we've been here to bring you incredible authors, hot reads, and fascinating interviews, all while supporting indie booksellers. One way you can help us support indies is to buy from them when and where you can, or to visit our own friendsandfictionbookshop.org page, where you can find books by the four of us and all of our guests at a discount. Speaking of amazing books, don't forget to join the Friends and Fiction official book club with Brenda and Lisa on their Facebook page. And make sure to join them this coming Monday, July 17th, when they when I will be there with them discussing The Paris Daughter. And it wouldn't be a Friends and Fiction launch if we didn't have a little fun along the way. So before we dive in with Christy, we have a game to play. So I'm going to turn it over to our very own Bob Barker, our managing director, <laughs> Meg Walker. I should have studied up on the guy, the original Family Feud host, Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson. Yeah. Richard Dawson. Richard. Yeah. Anyway. All right. It's time for Family Feud, folks, friends and fiction style. So introducing the Fab Four, we have Mary Kay Andrews coming to us from Georgia. We're from Florida. We have Patty Callahan Henry from Alabama playing against the queen of summer camp herself and the author of The Summer of Songbirds, Christy Woodson Harvey. <laughs> You're about to see these four authors battle it out for bragging rights because it's time to play. Friends in Fiction, Family Feud. <laughs> <laughs> Summer camp style. So here we go. Uh, we surveyed all the members of the Friends in Fiction Facebook group and asked, name something people look for, forward to most about summer camp. 
That's named something. People look forward to most of the summer camp. Now, whistle in your answers. Wait, so can you not? Okay. You got it first. Okay. You got it first. Um, of all the activities. Wrong. <laughs> Anyone else? You have to whistle in now. Oh. Okay. oh. I'm paying. I think I'm all here on the rules. No, we oh, all get to do it. it. Oh. Yeah. We can all whistle in our answers, right? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm okay. looking up our okay. own rules. Okay. okay. <laughs> I said, I said <laughs> who's, who's going next? Okay, what's your answer? I say it's campfire. Mm. Ooh, good one. The okay. songs. Kristen. The songs. <laughs> all right. I don't know. I never went to camp. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Strong. How do you got one? Um, the scary whistle, stories whistle, in the, uh, I did. Sorry to hear the whistle. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the late nights in the cabin. All right. Well, survey says the top five answers from the friends in fiction Facebook group were number one, the number one answer, according to our survey, spending time with old and new friends. Mm. What? Number two. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> You imagine number two bonfires and ghost stories. Was that one of them? Oh, there you go. Okay. Right. Okay. Good. Number three, late night giggles after lights out. Oh, number, that's a good one. One. number four, s'mores. And that was gonna be my second. That was gonna be my second buzz in with s'mores. S'mores. Number five is learning all learning new things and all of the activities. I think that yeah. would be Gabby, right? Christy. I like that. For Christy. Yep. All right. I have to oh. say, though, Kristen, I feel okay, like. So I think on the next question, you have to call on us. No? No. You have to blow no. the whistle. We're blowing <laughs> in. Oh. We're not blowing in. Yeah. Got it. I'm wearing pigtails. We're blowing in our answers, Patty. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> it was unclear. Wow. Okay. It was unclear. It was unclear. I'm actually not sure that I've ever watched Family Feuds. I'm probably not like, the perfect <laughs> person. <laughs> Oh, that was that the sick day there back in the 70s and 80s. I feel like every time you stayed in watch it, and they would it goes like click, click, click. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, we yep. surveyed <laughs> all the friends and fiction community and we asked, name something people do in nature that probably annoys the animals. <laughs> the <laughs> name something you do in nature that annoys. Was that Christy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Christy. All right. Um, yeah. Camp intense. Uh, All right. Camp intense. Oh. Okay. Okay. Pee in the woods. Oh, that was mine. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> Who's the next whistle? Sorry, find me. Answer. I got to come up with something. Um. Uh. Leave. Uh, leave candy wrappers from the s'mores. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Make a lot of noise, perhaps singing camp songs. But you really want the camp song thing in there, really yes. bad. Yeah, yeah the top five answers in the Friends of Fiction face group were I think Kristen Harmel is the big winner because the number one answer was noise. Dang, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> number two was walking on slash disrupting their habitat. 
Hmm. Number three was getting too close to the animals or touching them. Number four, campfires. And number five, this was you, Peach, I think, right? Litter. Uh, litter. So everyone kept asking me if I really wasn't looking at these on Facebook. And like, obviously I really wasn't since my answer is not even on the list. <laughs> mine, mine either. Mine was the best answer of all. Yeah, yours really was. Like, how, how did no one? Well, I guess probably someone put that, but not top five. Well, I love how you. I loved your belief in yourself because it wasn't even on there, but it's still the self-proclaimed best answer. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be the part in the show where Kathy gets the big red. Don't keep in the woods. Don't keep in the woods. Then you move to the next person. Okay. Unless we count her pee as litter. Unless we count it as litter. All right. Well, we surveyed all the members of the Friends of Fiction community and asked, name something a camp counselor might say. Who's first? Who's me? Don't kiss the boys from the camp next door. Oh, that's a good one. Stay away from Um, the boys? Is that what you said? Don't don't kiss kiss the boys from the camp next door. (laughs) I got one. Oh, me or go? I think think Christy whistled in first. It's fine. You go. You go. Go Lights out. Oh, good good one. Good one. Oh. No swimming (laughs) 30 minutes after eating. Until ah, oh, I like that one. No peeing in the uh, poison ivy. For all your, I'm sensing a theme. I'm sensing a theme in Mary Jane. All right. So, hey, the bathroom. We have a winner. Take a little potty break. Lights out was the number one answer. Oh, the number two answer was find your buddy. Oh, that's a good one. Number three, no oars are not for sword fighting. Number four, gather around the fire. And number five, that might be poison ivy. (gasps) There you go. I I think that counts. I I was gonna say that that counts. Contagious was what I was gonna say. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's hilarious. Tight game, you guys. It's a tight game. All right. We surveyed the members of the Friends of Vacation Facebook group and asked, name something that you did at camp that you might not want to admit. <laughs> oh, no. Mary Kay? <laughs> uh, um, hmm. Who blew first? I don't know. I Patty and I both did. All There's right. like a delay, and it's so funny because I'll like go, she'll go like this, and then like three seconds later, I hear the whistle. <laughs> I know, okay, same um, with you. All right, Christy. I bet. Um, well, I mean, is this supposed to be something that I actually did at camp or something? something you did at camp? No, I want to admit to. Oh, all right. I don't, Patty, you go. I, I, um, I never got to go to summer camp, so I'm just going to guess what something I might be, and I, it doesn't have to do with pee. I would say skinny dipping. Ooh. Ooh. Good. I was going to say sneaking out to meet boys from the camp next oh. door. So that's, oh, that's what you were going to say? There you go. I was going to say kiss to boy, but that's close. That's a good one. Yep. 
I think those are different answers. Okay. All right, Mary Kay. Do we even with the answer? Where did you pee? No, I was gonna say. Short sheeting. No, short seat. Short sheeting your your uh, cabin mate's bunk bed. Uh, you could, okay. That's a good line. That's a good line. In your bunk All right. bed. <laughs> All right. Survey says the number one answer submitted by our community, oddly enough, was that I never went to summer camp. Oh, that without. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I should have said that. was your answer. Her answer. Number I two. Number two, Kristen was kissed a boy. But Number that was three, similar to what Kristen Mary Kay, I really am disappointed you did not log this in as an official answer because number three answer was peed the bed or the shower. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> I did put it as an alternative to sh you short sheet your bunkmates bed and pee in it. Oh, my scissors. Work the part out. All right. Number four. Um, knock out after curfew. Oh, that that's Christy's. Right? That's kind of, yeah, yeah. Number five, cried about missing home or your parents. Oh, ah. so sweet. Okay. We okay. paid all the members of the Friends of Fiction Facebook group and asked, name an item you would find. What? Sorry, say again. Name an item what? you might find in your camp cabin. Sunscreen. Flashlight. It's going. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of your answers. I oh. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going? Liquor. Okay. <laughs> Makes you pee. Wait, what oh is Oh my this? god! Liquor! Oh my liquor. god! <laughs> I'm so punchy right now. In the bottom in the bottom of your Oh my god, I say bumper. I, I don't think you find liquor at some camp. I don't know. I mean I think we have to used to sneak in like fruit by the foot. Like I don't think <laughs> that was my answer. Right, my answer was contraband contraband candy. Yeah. All right. Survey says the number one answer was bug spray. Oh. Ah. So oh, I lumped that with sunscreen. Yeah. 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 That's the same. Thanks. Same. You guys number are giving two, me like moral victories and I'm here for it. Thanks. All right. Good. Yeah. Um, number two, bunk bed or sleeping bag. Yeah. Uh, number three, none of you said this. I don't know what's wrong with you. Books. What's <laughs> <laughs> no, wrong with us? We didn't go to camp. What do we know? We didn't know. Oh, yeah. Number four, hidden chocolate. That was one of you guys. Ah, That's contraband. I like it. Yeah, fatty. And number five, Kristen's answer, flashlight. I feel, right, like, I feel like we if have, we were keeping score, Kristen is technically winning, despite the fact that she did not go to camp. None of us went to camp except for you, Christy. But guess what? I just read this really good and book set at a camp. <laughs> it taught me everything I needed to know. I now <laughs> like, like I, I went to summer camp. I'm the one that I basically spent like went. 10 summers at camp and I'm losing the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, we feel like we went to camp this week, so. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I just got back yeah. from camp. No, this so. is like, I don't know if y'all ever did this, but I remember like playing like the, not the newlywed game, but like the nearlywed game 
at like at like Young Life Camp or something with someone that I'd been dating for like a year and then there was somebody else and they've been dating like a week and they like won the game and we were like <laughs> have we met do we know each other at all this is how it goes should we break up now yeah. <laughs> all right we have yes, one final question the game rides on this we serve yes there's a lot at stake here ladies um <laughs> we surveyed all the members of the friends and fiction facebook group and asked Name a place at camp that you would never want to be. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> All right, Mary Kay. The latrine. I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> All right. Patty's, very, Patty's got a good one coming in hot. What is it? The dirty dishes room. Ew. The back of the kitchen. KP, KP, kitchen, kitchen patrol. Yeah. Christy. Stranded on a boat. Yes! Oh, any sort. Mm. Read the Summer of Songbirds to find yes. out more. Yeah. That was my answer. You took it. Um, I'm going to say like the camp counselor's, like the main office, like June's mm -hmm. office in mm -hmm. the book because Ooh. you were you'd be in trouble or something yeah. would be wrong. Yeah. So the office, oh. the camp office. Yeah. All right. Survey says the okay. number one answer from our Facebook community was Alone in the Woods. Ooh, that's a good one. Kristen, oh. I feel like lost in the forest would be a, a perfect right. answer coming from you. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, number two, this is a good one too, in a tipped canoe. Ah, that's kind of what Christy oh. said. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, like Christy number, gets points for that. Number three, MK on the board with stuck in the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> On the board. On the board. Where is the board? Number four. In a patch of poison ivy. Especially peeing in the poison ivy. Was at the bottom of a pig pile. Oh, a piggy pile. Oh no. All right. That's the worst. That right. concludes our game. Do we have? I think everybody's a winner. Everybody's everyone's a winner. Everyone's a winner. Everybody everyone's a winner. Everyone, everyone who's had the opportunity to read the Summer of Songbirds wins. That's your prize. That's yeah, your that's prize. Your prize. Win the read the camp book. Exactly. Christy could have made us some friendship bracelets, though. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, mean, she I mean, I wore one. I mean, <laughs> you do have our visors. I had that's you. Had seen. Yeah. <laughs> I you tried to give you t-shirts to say I miss summer camp, but Tucker that not sold out of them. That is so cute. Okay, you guys. You just never know what's gonna happen on Friends in Fiction, especially at a launch. And that was amazing. My face hurts from yeah. laughing. Yeah. But I'm not sure any of us were actually winners in that game. So um, and if we were, I think it it was um, I think it was you guys getting to listen to us be complete idiots. So now, without further ado, Christy, we want to talk to you about the Summer of Songbirds. And I'm going to start us off because I loved this book so much. I felt such a deep sense of nostalgia. I told you that when I saw you. And something akin to possibility, that feeling I had when I was a kid, especially during summer, even if I didn't go to camp, but that whole world 
was waiting for me and I expected all good things to happen and friendships lasted forever and the world was, you know, waiting for all of it and brava, my friend. Now I want to talk about this book with everyone. So The Summer of Songbirds is a novel about three childhood best friends who come together to attempt to save their favorite place in the wake of a very difficult summer. But along the way, there are plenty of, as they call them, hard things to face together, wounds to heal, secrets more than a few to reveal, and some hurdles to leap, some lakes to swim, some, there's a few things. So can you tell us more about the book? And of course, our favorite question, what it's really about or what you think it's really about. Well, I think you really nailed it, like that sense of nostalgia. And that's what I was really trying to capture. And, you know, I know people's answer, you know, a lot of people said they didn't go to summer camp and the camp was beside the point. Yeah. Um, I just, I wrote this book at the kind of the beginning of COVID, weirdly enough, or that's when I got the idea for it. And um, I just wanted to to go back to that place in childhood where you just felt free. Like we didn't have to be inside where you you know spent your nights catching fireflies and ran around all day with your friends until your mom called you home for dinner. Like wherever that was or whatever that was or whatever that looked like, that's what I wanted people to think about. It wasn't necessarily yeah. camp. It was just that that piece of your childhood and that place of your childhood that you'll just never forget and that kind of left that imprint on you. And um, and if you don't have one of those places, then, you know, you can borrow Camp Holly Springs. So that's the good yeah. news. Everybody can have a little piece of Holly Springs. But funnily enough, um, we were on, we were all, all of us on stage for, was it, I think it was Kristen's launch and someone asked this question and it made me realize that um, when I was writing about like the hard, the hard things in this book, and we'll talk a little more about that, but these women all do each other's hard things. And it reminded me, like I was writing this book kind of around the time that we were starting Friends in Fiction and we were divvying out these tasks. And it was like, well, you do this because you're good at that. Or like, I I'm, I know how to do this and, and yeah. I'm, this doesn't make me nervous, but you hate it. And um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think there might've been a little inspiration in that for this story, because oh, yeah. that's really what these yeah. women do. They try to like ease each other's burdens in a way. And I think that's what we did when we were starting this group. Oh, I agree. All right. Well, let's go back to camp. Christy, we've all heard you tell the story about the family camp trip that partially inspired this novel. In fact, we were all texting with you the whole time you were there. And I distinctly remember that you did the show from the Arts and Crafts Hut because it was (laughs) the only place in this camp in the woods with Wi-Fi. So tell us about that initial spark for the novel. I'm actually embarrassed every time I see Fiona Davis because, I mean, I was at camp just like you are when you're a kid and I was starving. And I remember Will brought me like pizza and we had like two minutes before the show and I was like scarfing down this pizza and like Fiona was our guest that night. And she was, and I was like, lovely Fiona is seeing me scarf down pizza. Here we are. <laughs> this is this is real camp life here. Um, yeah. So I I knew that I wanted to write a book about a summer camp, like probably a long time before even this happened. But 
um, I was, I just finished the wedding veil and I think I was just finishing up Christmas and peach tree bluff, or at least far along enough in it that I was like, I got to figure out what I'm writing next. And I knew I wanted to write about camp and, um, my son's summer camp had gotten canceled for obvious reasons. And so they gave us this opportunity. They were like, Hey, you know, you can come to camp as a family and everybody gets their own cabin and we can do the social distancing. And they worked it out really, really well. It was, it was great. Um, and because it's mostly outdoors, you know, it worked pretty well. <laughs> Um, and I just remember getting there and it's the camp that we went to was um, actually Camp Seafarer in North Carolina. It's like on a river in North Carolina. And um, it's a very old camp. And so I just remember going there and just feeling like there were all these stories coming out of the walls and just remembering all of my memories um, at Camp Hollymont, which is where I went to camp. Um, but actually, I think the real initial spark was uh, one of the first things we did there. So two of my friends and I went out on a sailboat, just three of us. And my friend is a really expert sailor. Like she learned how to sail at that camp. And she's like one of their star sailors, like started a sailing program and that still exists today, like in another part of the state. Um, and so it was like a joke when everyone was sitting around on the boat, like we don't have enough radios, but we know she doesn't need one because she's such a great sailor. And we're in these little day sailors. So of course we don't take our phones. So we get way away from camp and the wind just totally dies. And we are like completely stuck and we have no way to contact anyone. And we are like, please let our children get hungry so that someone realizes that like <laughs> we have created it because we're in trouble. <laughs> And so we were just sitting out there and she starts telling this story about when she was like 16 and um, the like heartthrob sailing instructor rescued her like in a very real way. Like there was like a, like a water spout coming across the water and she had to abandon her boat and he rescued her and how everyone at camp was like, oh, you nearly died, but you got rescued by the hot sailing instructor. Like, we're so jealous of you. You know, her boat crashed like, <laughs> to pieces on the shore, but everyone was jealous because she got rescued by the hot sailing instructor. And I was like, that is a story for the book. Like that yeah. is, that is really. And so we all just sat there for like an hour and a half and we told all of our camp stories because what else were we going to do? We were stranded. And we were finally rescued, but, you know, of course, the longer we sat out there, the more we were like some, you know, handsome sailing God is going to come rescue us. And that was, it was, it was a cute girl on like a little scout boat. She came <laughs> to the rescue that we have been envisioning. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I got home and started writing this book and that was it. That is awesome. awesome. And and it's great. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but like you can see the seed of that when you read the book. I mean, I think it's it's absolutely perfect. You see that there's a scene very similar to what you described, which I love. Yeah. And it's yeah. funnily enough, like it's not at the beginning of the book, but it is the first thing I wrote. So if you read the book that and you're reading it, you're like, awesome. oh, that's oh, interesting. There you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Now, Christy, you've said that you hope this book reminds people of that place in their own childhood where they last felt free and alive and like the world was just out there waiting for them to grab it. Um, so I'm wondering, what was that place for you? And did it inspire the Summer of Songbirds at all? Well, I mean, obviously I loved summer camp and like had a great experience there and went, you know, my whole life. I went to, I think I mentioned this, but I went to Camp Polymont in the North Carolina mountains. So I had a little bit of a different summer camp experience than what I describe here. But a lot of my summer camp experience um, influenced this book, like down to the songbirds. We were all named after all the cabins were named like the hummingbirds, the blue jays, you know, and on and on. So um, there are a lot of pieces of this camp, like the blob and like just all of these things that I have from, from my memories as a camper. Um, but actually, I really think that the most nostalgic place for me in my childhood was 
Um, we used to go on these family beach trips every summer. My grandparents would take all like 24 of us. My mom has three sisters and um, I have a lot of cousins and we would spend a week together um, in, the, in a beach house, just like hanging out and catching ghost crabs at night and eating too much candy. And um, they were like the best memories of my whole life. So I think that's what I think of when I think of those like really special childhood days. Who's, is someone on mute? Oh, oh. Well, how about, oh, how about I'm the sorry. So guys, that's me. That's why I was, I was, I saw all these things coming up and I was like, am I the one echoing? Is it me? Um, but so I wanted to know what was that place for you, Mary Kay? You know, I think it was a place called the Outrigger Club in St. Pete where I grew up. And it was, they had three pools and a tennis court, not that we played tennis and a, a Nepo hut and a snack bar. And so all of my friends, you know, starting in junior high, that's where we would go hang out, ride our bikes there, or get a ride from somebody. And we were swimming and we were learning to water ski. And I was flirting with my first boyfriend who happened to be the sailing instructor. So there you go. Yeah. What a coincidence. What a coinky jink. Yeah. And they would have they would have dances and you know, we I think it was the first time I started feeling like, oh, I'm kind of a grown up now. Ah, I like it. Mm -hmm. For me, it was probably Worthington, Ohio, which is where I lived until I was 10. Um, and I think maybe that's just about the age where life starts to get a little bit hard anyhow, right? Like we're, we're the, there's that switch between like everything's easy and fun and you're just being a kid to sort of like the social dynamics that begin to creep in with late elementary, early middle school. But Worthington was really that place for me. It, it was, the days were long and idyllic. We ran outside and, you know, didn't come home until dusk fell and we had to be home for dinner. Um, I had my best friend, Jay, you guys all met his mom um, when we were in Worthington or when we were in Columbus recently. Um, and, you know, it was when my parents were still together. It was before they got divorced also. So I, I think it just, just a, a time, a time in life that felt like everything was possible. Love that. Yeah. I think that's what summer feels like. That's why I loved the book so much. It was this, <clears throat> that nostalgic feeling of the long days of summer. So for me, it was Cape Cod. I know I've talked about it before, but the days were full of sand, sunburn, swimming, um, books, endless books, trips to the library, um, getting lost in the cranberry bogs and in the sand dunes, rolling down the sand dunes. And you just felt like the whole world was on your side, right? And the and and that you went to bed so tired, so deeply exhausted with a, that sting of a sunburn that now we know is making us look old. But it's it it was it's Cape Cod for me. What was it for you, Meg? Well, for me, it's the Jersey Shore, which is where I live now, and it's where I grew up. And just like you guys said, it was those long, endless days that where time was just it meaningless. Like, one day ran into the other. Every day felt like it was so long. We went to the beach every single day without fail. My mom was a teacher. She had the summers off, so we just we went to a little town called Seagirt, New Jersey, and it wasn't one of the beaches around here that has like a boardwalk. It has a boardwalk, short one to walk on, but there's no rides and there's no, you know, arcade games or anything like that. Um, 
And so we would do innocent things like my brother and I would would take the lunches that my mom packed for us and go under the boardwalk and eat them where the sand was cool. And I remembered specifically thinking like we would plant our peach pits in the sand under the boardwalk. And I remember specifically thinking like, I bet you next summer come back to be rows of peach trees in the sand. Um, so like, just oh, the innocence. <laughs> so just the innocence of all that and the long, like you and you're sand in your bed, you know, you'd go home so tired and just collapse. And, um, before you were old enough to have a job or any of the, those worries or any of that structure. And it was just, uh, it was great. I love that. That sounds magical. Yeah. All right, Christy, your protagonist, June, is one of three friends, Daphne's aunt, and she just so happens to own Camp Holly Springs, which she bought on a whim after her parents' tragic death. Both she and Daphne have experienced a lot of loss, and for all intents and purposes, they're the only real family that each other has. Um, so can you talk to us about the way that Holly Springs bonds, what the camp comes to symbolize for them in their lives and in their friendships and their relationships? Yeah, so I think Holly Springs is an escape for both of these women. I mean, they've experienced some similar loss in losing um, Daphne's mother, who's also June's um, sister. And so they they share that loss in a way. Mm -hmm. And Holly Springs just kind of becomes the place where they're sort of safe and happy. And they say that a lot. And June talks, she references that a lot about how she wants girls to come to Holly Springs and feel safe and happy. And that's what happens for Daphne in her life. And it, and in the beginning, that's what happens for June. And it's what leads her to buy this camp. She has kind of a tragedy in her own life story. And she just wants to go to the place where she felt safe and happy. And so she buys this struggling, falling apart girls camp because it was the place in her life that made her happy. And she realizes as the book sort of goes along that while, yes, she's devoted her life to something really great, she's also used it as an excuse and a place to hide. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately, Holly Springs is the place that all of these women can kind of put aside that they're having, the differences that they're having, the real problems in their own lives, the things they're arguing about, because it's more important to them than, than anything else. And so ultimately, I think the camp is that symbol of that thing that brings them all back together again, you know, not only physically under the same roof, but also back to those memories of why they loved each other and why they came together in the first place and why that is so much more important than anything that's happening to them that's coming from them from the outside world. You have to unmute my friend. There you go. It feels like there might be a message in there too about um, found families, the families we choose, right? Talk to us a little about that. Well, and one of the main conflicts in this book comes between Daphne and Lanier, and they're they're not blood related; they're just best friends. And Lanier has um, done some things for Daphne that are really incredible, like really above and beyond, you know, what normal friends would go through, especially in their, you know, tween and teenage years. They've really been through a lot together, and so um, 
Daphne sort of has to make a choice that involves Lanier. And Lanier is really the only person that's always been in Daphne's life, no matter what. She's the person that's always been there for her through thick and thin. And so I think, um, you know, maybe she makes some frustrating decisions in this book to that end. But I think it might be hard for some people or like for us, you know, who have family to realize that when that's your only person, you know, you choose them over all else. And so, you know, these women do really choose each other. They always have. And um, it was interesting for me, though, I was actually writing about this earlier today. It was interesting for me. I write a lot about family and I write a lot about sisters and our, um, and it's a different relationship. I mean, you can push your sisters to a place that you can't push your friends. And so that was um, kind of a different thing for me to have to write about to realize that, you know, you can choose your family and there is found family and there is that really deep love, but there is a, a slight difference than, you know, those, you know, those sisters that you grew up in the house with that you have the same mom and dad that you can kind of you can say things to them that you can't say to your, to your blood sister, you can say things to your blood sisters that you can't say to your best friends. And um, so it was a yes. little bit of a different thing to write about, but I, I enjoyed the challenge of that. Love that. We did a great job. Yeah. You know, we focus a lot on the friendships in this novel, and they are very prominent. We've just talked about them for a while. But there's also a couple of really great love stories taking place here. Mm -hmm. And neither of them is without major complication. Now, we don't want to ask you to talk too much about those because we don't want any spoilers. But Lanier is torn between her fiancé, who she knows way deep in her gut, isn't telling her everything, mm -hmm. and her camp crush and summer love from years before, who she betrayed in a really big way. And then, you know, Mary Stewart is getting married when the novel opens, and Daphne has something unexpected begin brewing in her love life. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on with these with these um, love stories, too. And Daphne is terrified to pursue this, this love affair for a number of reasons, mostly because she's a single mom to a four-year-old, and he has to be her priority. What is it that intrigues you? What is it that intrigues all of us about first loves and old relationships? And how do you think they're different from people we meet when we're older? You know, it's funny because this is not something that I say in this book. This is actually something from Slightly South of Simple, which is you know, an, <laughs> an older book of mine. But I, there's this line in there, and I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to get it wrong. I wrote it, but I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> you know, Ainsley, my main character, says like that there's something about those people who knew us when we were young, before the world got its hands on us and told us who we should be. Ooh, I like that. Like freshness about us when we're young. And I think when we're falling in love at that age. There's this real purity about it because there's not a lot of pretense there because yeah. we just are who we are. Like we haven't really learned yet that, you know, we should be someone different. And I think that type of sort of unspoiled relationship is what intrigues us so much because there is always that element of, um, you know, as we get older, like what could have been and, and was that like the purest version of ourself? Was that the person that we should have been with? Which, of course, isn't true, because like, I don't know about y'all, but like, oh, thank God, bad, there were some bad yeah. choices. Right. I mean, there was a lot of like, oh, thank goodness that I that boy that I prayed to marry every night is not my husband. <laughs> about that but, you know but there but there is something but but that's not always the case i mean there are like some you know some good ones in there too so i do think there's there's something to that and there's something about um especially in a case like Lanier's where she had this relationship with someone that 
was really special to her. And she, and she was the one that screwed it up in a really big way. And she betrayed him in a really big way. And she, um, and maybe in a way that as an adult wouldn't seem like that big of a deal, but like as a, as a teenager, it was kind of like the ultimate betrayal, you know? So um, I think that's interesting too. And I enjoyed kind of playing with that idea of what, what can break a relationship in our teenage years versus what can break a relationship in our adult yes. years. And these women are all kind of really facing that um, in their lives and, you know, and just confronting their past and their future and all of it at the same time. Yep. Oh, okay. So one of the things that I loved about writing this, I'm really, I'm doing really well, you guys. Like, <laughs> I have to ask a question. I'm just, it's the pigtails. I can't, I'm like, I don't know that like is this normal? Um, one of the things I loved writing most about this novel was the idea that I mentioned earlier, that these women send each other a list every single week of hard things that they do for each other. Um, so essentially they rely on each other's strengths and weaknesses, as I mentioned, to make some of life's day-to-day -day tasks, confrontations, et cetera, a little easier, which I think is genius. So it's actually something that, that I mentioned to Will offhandedly, like, yes. wouldn't it be great if someone else could do these things that we're bad at? And I was like, oh, light bulb, that's going in a book. <laughs> so ladies, I wanted to ask you, what's a hard thing in your life that you wish someone else could do for you? Well, I'll go first because I've been meaning to bring this up with you guys. Um, okay. awesome. So I like outlining the books and coming up with the idea for the books, but it's the actual writing that's just, it's just really hard. So, I mean, I love you guys. I know you love me. So who would like to take that off my plate? <laughs> that, <laughs> that that was not a problem. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything I would I am not do. blowing my whistle. I am not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to write an intensely researched, like, Maybe like another forest uh, book for you. I, I will I do the research. I will give you the outline. You just have to write the words. It's it's really it's the it's the smallest part of it. Says no one's on the board for this one. Yeah. <laughs> Can you think of what a horrible mashup that would be if I wrote your book? I mean, I can't no. think of <laughs> worse. <sighs> I actually so that's took my no, whistle like, off. A no then for that one. Is that a no? That's I, a no. I don't know. We'll I, talk I about it. I'll half blow in for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Patty? Um, finances. I mean, I just, it, the amount of energy it takes for me to figure, oh, that's you, Christy. You do that for mm -hmm. us. <laughs> that's my job. Christy, you're getting a lot of extra tasks. I, I know. know. Now you have to write a book and do the finances. Exactly. <laughs> How about you, MKA? Well, I think, as you all know, I'm a pretty uh, disorganized, hot mess. So I think organization, like from the office to the rest of my life, and also packing and unpacking it. You know, I will have to say that Meg, God lover, has taken over um, some of that stuff. So far, Ooh. she's refused. <laughs> She's refused to come over, come down here and, and uh, organize my office. So I'm pretty bitter about that. <laughs> it's a little bit Every of a man. drive. Christy, yeah. Christy, would you mind taking that on also? Yes. You know, I'm, that is not one of my strong skills. I'm going to go with paying bills and uh, most definitely filing my taxes if somebody could do that for me. Um, also, if you do it on time, that would be great. Mm. Thanks. The worst. Again, you don't want me doing that. 
Because no. we'll never get yeah. paid. Our financial advisor actually said to, to me and Dave last week, um, so um, we need to get some better skills here with the organization because this method you guys have, the procrastination, is it's not working. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Two box full of receipts that you dump on my desk, you know, the 1st of April, that's not, that's not helping. Yeah. Procrastination keep- is not a plan of attack. Uh, when I read that in the book, Christy, I was like, yeah, but I think that's what we do for each other, right? Yeah. The way we divide things up is the strengths people have. Um, yeah. If we need an alliteration, we have Mary Kay. Like, that's right? the only thing I'm good for. And that and the accessories, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> no, you're good at a million things. All right. We're excited to keep celebrating Christy, but we do have a couple Quick messages, station identification. It's not every year that all four of us have new books out, but this year is one of them. And we have some amazing events coming up. We've already been in Columbus and Charleston and Huntsville together. And it was like, it was the best kind of party. And coming up, you do not want to miss. We will all be together in Tampa, Florida on July 20th at Oxford Exchange for a party to help get Summer of Songbirds into the world, friends and fiction style. Mm -hmm. Then in Christie's Neck of the Woods in Atlantic Beach, North Carolina on August 1st, we will be together for a breast cancer fundraiser brunch. And last but not least, we will be in Darien, Connecticut on October 4th to launch Mary Kay Andrews' Bright Lights, Big Christmas. So, which I just read and is so good. Yes. I mean, you you open it to read a couple pages and then you just fall into yep. this world in, in New York and and the 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 quirky characters surrounding it and the little boy and and Sammy. It's it's so good, y'all. So make sure you're signed up for our friends in fiction newsletter and for our individual newsletters so that you will be the first to know about it. So you've been listening to our Writer's Block podcast, haven't you? I hope that you have because it drops every Friday on all major podcasting platforms. We will always post a link to the newest episode on the Friends in Fiction Facebook page and the Instagram feed. And on our most recent episode out now, Ron and Christy talk to Alex Hay about his, his novel, The Housekeepers. Coming this Friday, Ron and MKA will be talking to Chris Swan, who we all love, about his latest thriller, Never Back Down. So listen, review, subscribe, and share with a friend if you like what you hear. Love it. All right. Now, Christy, what a tour you have coming up. What a schedule you have coming up. We are so excited for this book and for you. So can you please tell everyone where they can find you? I know you're really active online. You're super active on Instagram. You posted some great stuff about the backstory of the book and the book. So where can everyone find you online and then, of course, on the road for the next couple weeks? Yeah, so the best way to keep up with everything is to go to my website, christywoodsonharvey.com. There's a whole tour dates page that has everything. But um, tomorrow night, I will be in Bedford, New York. And then I'll be in Spring Lake, New Jersey on July 14th. There's a rumor that Meg Walker might be there, but I don't know. I can either confirm nor deny if that is true. (laughs) Um, July 15th, I'll be in my hometown of Salisbury, North Carolina at South Main Books. And then on the 16th, which is my birthday, I will be at the Cherokee County Public Library in Gaffney, South Carolina. (laughs) Um, 
I'm going to do these super briefly, but I have a couple more. The 17th, I'm in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and Greenville, South Carolina. The 18th, I'm in Polly's Island, South Carolina, and Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. The 19th, I'm in Anderson, South Carolina, and then Charlotte, North Carolina. The 20th, we're all together in Tampa. The 21st, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. And then the 22nd and 23rd, I have events in Beaufort, where I live. And then the 25th, I'm in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So y'all come see me, uh, but all these details are on my website. And yeah, follow along with the tour on Instagram. I'm at Christy Harvey. I probably post the most like day-to-day updates on there. So come hang out with me. Yeah. And by, well, first off, let me say one thing. If you have won a Goodreads um, a early copy of the book, do us all a favor. Go ahead and post that five-star review. It really makes a difference to all of us. And if you've read Kristen's book or Patty's book or one of mine in the past, um, give us a good review, would you please? It really helps out. But my main thing I'm supposed to say is buy her book, damn it. And the first week, do not wait. Do not wait and say to yourself, oh, you know, I'm going to the beach at the end of August. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. We need you to buy it right away. We need you. In fact, what's that word we love, ladies? Pre-order. Pre-order. But now it's real order. That's right, real order. Now I forgot. Right. Buy it. <laughs> buy it now. So, buy it right this minute. Um, yeah. Once again, we cannot reiterate how much this book will bring back your favorite parts of summer. Yeah. Well, also reminding you of the things that matter the most in your life, friends and love and following your gut and your instincts and relying on your friends to tell you the damn truth, which is what we to do. To tell you that right? you look really bad in pigtails. And you I just want to interrupt and say thank you so much for all of your support. It's been so amazing. I'm so grateful to everyone on the screen and to everyone out there watching. You guys are the wind beneath our wings. And we have a book launching. I cannot even tell you to have you just show up at our events and, and purchase our books. And you really make these books happen for us. And we're so, so grateful. I am personally so grateful for all your support of the Summer of Songbirds already. And I'm seeing all your posts and it just makes me so happy. So thank you for everything that you've done. I really am just so grateful. I really am. So thank you. And as Emily Henry says, um, put this book in your beach bag and as we say buy her book damn it so exactly. what an evening well, and Taylor says you'll devour it, it. Yeah. <laughs> Tater Tater said, delicious, delicious loved it. okay what an evening ladies and don't forget you can find all of you out there don't forget you can find all of our back episodes on youtube we will be back next week to welcome Stephen Rowley with his new one, The Celebrates, and the rom-com writing team of Liz Fenton and Lisa Steinke. We have such a fun episode in store for you, and we can't wait. So thanks for being with us, and we will see you next week. Good night, y'all. Thank you, guys. Good night. Love you all. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.